everybody, welcome to Fox Always in Podcast. We are Gawazi Witness with Tim Stafford and Daddy Mike. We, welcome to the Voxology Podcast. Congratulations. We're here with Tim Stafford and Daddy Mike. Mm. And Swing who else? with the energy. And it's Hannah B. And Hannah's going to join us. But Hannah who B. else? It's, I've got a basic guest for you. It's but who are you? Seth. I'm Seth who? Seth Erie. Seth Erie. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are here. It is Thanksgiving break. It is early in the week because Tim Stafford is leaving town. Yep. So That's we right. are recording. We are recording with, with the her. day before Thanksgiving. It is glorious. It's glorious. Yes. Now, Seth. Yeah. What are we going to do for Thanksgiving? Um, Mashed potatoes and turkey. Check. Yep. <laughs> what check. else? Um, gravy. Gravy. Check. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. else? Agar pie, pumpkin pie. Oh. Check. Mm. What else? Um, how good? How good is Daddy's turkey? Um, I it, like ham. You what? You like ham? <laughs> yes. What are you talking about? <laughs> how good is Daddy's turkey? Um, uh, gravy. Gravy? No. Okay, <laughs> Seth Thomas, you are fired. No. You are fired from the podcast for How that. Good is that turkey? Sorry, sorry Voxology like podcast. Sorry, Voxology podcast. Now, uh, Seth, let's teach some math. Yeah, let's uh, go. All right, now. Now, Mays Day we go. Talk about slope. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about slope. All right, the slope Whoa. of a line. Seth, You're already beyond yeah. my level. Talk to me. If slope on a line positive, it goes up. If the slope up, is of a line up, is positive, it goes up, 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 up. up. If it's negative, down, it goes down, 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 down. And if it's flat, if it goes zero, 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 zero. Yes. That sounds like a song. There it was, ladies and gentlemen. Math with Seth. Anything else you want to talk about today? Yeah, yes. What else do you want to talk about? Tim, hit that music! Tim, hit that music! Hey everybody, we're so glad that you are tuning in today. Welcome to the Voxology Podcast with, uh, with a guest uh, named Seth and another guest today. Named because everyone's home. It's fantastic. We rarely record. It is the day before Thanksgiving, so we rarely record during the week when all the kids are home. They are home today. They are home. Tim Stafford. So, ladies and gentlemen, really the co-host with the most host. This is <laughs> Hannah Erie. Say hello, Hannah. Hello. Hannah is my 16-year-old daughter wrapped in a 50-year-old soul. Hannah is an old <laughs> soul. And Hannah and I get into deep convos all the time. And we had her on, I don't know, episodes ago. And um, just talking about life. And, and there were many people who said, hey, we'd love to have Hannah back. So Hannah, good morning. Good morning. How late were you up last night with your friends? Um, I was up to like 3.30. Okay. But... Apparently they sit up later, but I fell asleep. But you fell asleep first? Yeah. Nice. That's always the best thing to do when you're the host of a slumber party is fall asleep first. I know. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. But she's up for this. Ladies (laughs) and gentlemen, that's how important this is. Yeah. This is way too early for me. (laughs) Wait, are all the sleepover people still here? Mm -hmm. There? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. They're still sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So Hannah's overachieving this morning, which is fantastic. But Hannah, 
I just want to do a little little check-in today. We mm-hmm. love hearing your perspective on things. Um, Hannah goes to a small Christian school, which was a bit of a decision point around us. Mm-hmm. We'd prefer public, but um, we thought it was easier when we moved to Tennessee to kind of have a smaller group of people to get to know. Um, and Hannah hasn't always been a big fan of church and Christianity, and so she's in the middle, as we talk about deconstructing, it's fascinating because she's in the middle of doing some of that too. And um, so, Hannah, my big question for you today, and go anywhere you want with this, as honest as you want with this, what what are you seeing in, quote, Christianity as you experience it in church, as you experience it and see it as perceived in the news, as you're at school, that um, gives you hope? And what are things that really cause you concern? And you can pick whichever one you want to answer first. Um, for hope, I would definitely say... Again, I don't want to sound like I'm advertising journey, but for, as an example, um, at youth group, I am given lots of permission to question and to express my doubts and my concerns and really just talk about why I don't believe some parts and why I do. And that's never looked down upon. Mm. It's actually encouraged. And so, yeah, permission's the big word I would use. Permission to disagree or... Um, Why is that so important to you in your process? Um, I don't know, because I feel like everyone does. And so the more you have to hide it, mm. the more fake your own beliefs com- become, yep. I feel like. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I would just say a lot of permission. That's really good. Yeah, there's some spaces that are that are Christian that give you permission. That's a great that's yes. a great thing for hopefulness. Yes. What about concern? Um This is a longer <laughs> list, baby. Well <laughs> <laughs> Um, things I've seen are just very like close minded people. Like very black and white, right or wrong. And if you don't agree with all of this, you're not a real Christian. Mm. Like that is a very popular trend at places like yeah. <laughs> my school. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> and there's just a lot of really religious people are just not willing to, I don't know, how would you say that? Uh, it'd be open about conversations where there's disagreement. Yeah. Is that, how, is that yeah. right? Uh-huh. And um, things that... Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, there's certain topics where you feel like you have to guard your tongue. Yeah. Yeah. Or you'll be sort of uh, either looked down upon or excluded or. Or the Bible can like only be interpreted once. That was your big way. Yeah. That's what I was trying to remember. Yeah. That's your big one. Um, Yeah. There's only one way to understand it. And if you don't understand it that way, you're not Christian. Yes. Yes. And. A lot of things people like to do is kind of pick and choose which sins they like to talk about. (laughs) So they'll like extremely shame one sin and just completely ignore another that's mentioned because they do that. (laughs) Um, Yes. But so that's why I've gotten to some really good conversations with teachers about gay marriage or gay rights because... um, they are a hundred percent that if you're gay and you're Christian, you have to pick God over mm-hmm. over your sexuality, and I just don't understand how that's fair. And so I told my history teacher about 
if I have to choose between gay rights and God, I'm going gay rights. Like, I, that's not even a question. Um, and he was like, well, then you don't, you don't believe in the, what the Bible says or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, I don't think, I don't know. I just don't think that's how God is, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, could be wrong. <laughs> what no what is it that keeps you interested because one of the things that's really cool about you that i i like is that so many people your age are apathetic like they'll just do it because that's what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. or they just parrot whatever their parents think or they just really don't even care you have huge amounts of passion yes about all of this why do you think that is um I don't really know. I take on a lot of people's emotions. And Mm -hmm. so um, whether I am a part of the LGBTQ community or not, or I am white, but yet I still like feel like I feel for um, that community and African-American community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because I just think there's just so many unfair things, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like after... I watched a video of the Kyle Rittenhouse mm-hmm. situation, and I just started sobbing. I You hadn't even heard about it until no. the verdict came out. And I didn't give one thought to if he was guilty or innocent. I didn't care about the case. But just seeing situations like this, like just like physically makes me like so sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get shamed at school for even caring, but... Mm. Um, I don't know. I just get so emotional about it a lot. Yeah, because because the the rights of people are getting trampled on, and it's and just completely distorted. Right, and yes. it's and it seems like there are parts of the Christian community that don't care about that. Yes, Is that right, or are just so convinced that they're right and that's it. Right. So how do you how do you learned to because some of your friends have very differing political Mm -hmm. and christian views Mm -hmm. so how do you learn to sort of be in relationship with those people even when you disagree um that is a good question because i've really had to learn that because you and you've done a great job especially especially last year it was kind of like oh if you don't disagree with me like i can't be friends with you like i don't like you you're not a good person um because i had this kind of mindset of like yeah, you were that way. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was like, if you don't, like, think the things I do, like, you're not a good person. You right. know what I mean? Right, right. Like, the opposite political party, like, they're not good people. Like, yeah. They're whatever. Um, but then when I moved somewhere to where literally if I wanted to make any friends, <laughs> I'd have to <laughs> not think that way. Um, I guess when... Okay, this is an example. Mm-hmm. My, this is great. Um, one of my friends was talking about how at her church, they like to do a chant called gay is not okay. Pray the gay way. (laughs) This is an example, a church, a church, a youth group. Yes. Um, now I would love to just completely shame her. Like, that's terrible. Let's mm-hmm. like, go off. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness, mm-hmm. I so could. Mm-hmm. But then I think about it, and I'm like, these kids have grown up with their parents, and they've grown up in this little school, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, their parents and their churches apparently are just feeding them this information. And if that's all I was getting, 
I would think that too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, actually probably not, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't know if you would. Yeah, no. <laughs> but, um, but literally like they just, they've just been taught like this is right and anything else is wrong. Like, right. they're, and they're so passionate about it because that's literally all they've been shown. Right. You know? Right. Um, so you're able to find a bit of, a bit of compassion for the person not necessarily the view. Yes, definitely not the view. Yeah. Especially not that view from a church. That made me so upset. Yeah. Um, but yeah, things like that, where when it comes to the point where, you know, I need to, I don't know. Yeah, you stand up where you need to stand up. Yeah. Especially in Bible class. <laughs> yeah, I wish you could. <laughs> My Bible teacher I, I really hates me. No, not literally. <laughs> not literally. But, but certainly there is... There is what okay one last one last question. You're I doing pay, great, by the way. I would for pay just to be a fly up. on the wall. Oh my goodness, it's so funny. Yes. So <laughs> so and, I, and I'm sure the Bible teacher is is wonderful, and you know kind and all those sorts of things. Um, but there have been a we we debrief the Bible lessons quite often. What in what seems to be the focus of Bible class? Like, what's the focus? What's the thing that's talked about most? Like, don't do this. Yeah, don't do, mm. don't drink. Yes. Oh my goodness! If we hit a vape ever, we're going to hell. <laughs> One sip alcohol, whatever. Or like yeah. he'll just go on and on about how like if you lie like at all like you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. So I asked him. I was like, wow. So you've never lied to, you know, like save someone to not, mm-hmm. like not hurt their feelings. You know, just like a little buffer. And mm-hmm. he was like, no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so You're all, you just did right there. <laughs> literally. I was like, all right. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Or he'll talk about how like you should be forced to go to church. And I was just like, no, yeah. I don't think you should. Mm. Um, I do love arguing with yeah. <laughs> everything he says. but <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And, and it's funny. I mean, Hannah, and I love that you said that, that there's a softening of your heart towards people that you don't agree with. That's a really good and beautiful thing. Yeah, um, that is that is a new thing. And, um, yeah. So, even if the views are, you know, yeah. we think are... It's a higher level of maturity than most adults. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it really, it really is. But I love, I love, I mean, we, we get into so many, she and I have so many conversations like this where she'll just sit down, particularly if I'm doing something else and not looking at her. Yes. That's the key part is not looking at her and focusing <laughs> I can on her. go off. Yes. And then there will be going off and it is glorious. Um, I just wanted to thank you though. I, we're, we're talking about something called deconstruction, which is this picture of people who were raised a certain way and then they come to sort of question some of the beliefs that they were taught. And as a 16-year-old, you're doing that already. Uh, yes, I have been. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I don't think you've ever not been doing that. Mm-mm. So, um, and I just, I love uh, that people get a chance just to hear your heart and what you're thinking and wrestling with. It's such a different world um, that you're, you know, growing up in than what even Tim and I were raised in. So... Thank you, babe. Of course. Anything else you want to say? I don't think so. I'll probably leave and then remember like 10 things uh, I didn't that's touch That's always on. how it works. That's always you how it pop, works. Just pop back in because it's the friends and family episode. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you absolutely could. Okay. Absolutely. I love you, you babe. Wake up, you should go wake everybody up and have a round table. Oh, yes. I don't think you want that. Well, <laughs> this, that would be evidence of the dynamic we're talking about. <laughs> yes, <saying>. very clear. <laughs> All Watch right, baby. it play out. All right. <laughs>
Thank you, darling, for of getting course. up. You're awesome. It is a friends and family episode today at the Vox Podcast. You want to bring anyone on? What's Mazzy nope. up to today? I don't know. She's upstairs somewhere doing something. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting to see what she has to say on the world. Oh, absolutely. If you've not tuned into her cooking shows, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you are missing out. Absolutely. Um, all right. So thank you for hanging out with a couple members of my family. I love... I love it. We one of the you know one of the things. I mean, I'm learning so much about parenting and pastoring through parenting mm. um, and permission and you know the long view and I mean just all these incredible things. Growing up with these amazing humans um, in our house and and learning you know tons 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 about uh, the way I wish I had been parented around some of these things. Yeah. Um, and you know, nothing against my folks. My folks were amazing. Yeah. But they knew what they knew. Yep. And <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, uh, as my mom often says, like, it's just a whole different ball game in terms <laughs> of what, what parenting <laughs> looks like. It's a it's a lot more work as it turns out. Um, all right. So Tim, how are yes. you doing great? What's Thanksgiving looking like? We are driving to a little town in the uh, right outside of Yosemite called Mariposa. Ooh. To some of our good friends live there and a couple other good friends. We're just driving out there and doing a few days with that little crew. Nice. Yeah. All right. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What are you guys doing? What I really love is like, hey, how good is dad's turkey? I like ham. But how how good is the turkey gravy? (laughs) That little curmudgeon. I'll tell you what. I mean, I make... I couldn't have scripted that better. No. I make a really good turkey. That's all I'm going to say. Somebody somebody emailed us and said, good luck with the turkey massage. (laughs) So we we have maybe the best community in the history of podcasting. (laughs) <laughs> and the response, the response is we ask you to share a little bit about um, y- your story and, and your deconstruction. My goodness. So we thought, uh, because it's Thanksgiving and, um, and Tim's dressed in all purple, including a purple beanie. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so we just thought we'd read some of these um, and, uh, and react to them. There are so many good thoughts, so much insight i mean it really is it's really so fun to get to know our little our little crew man it's the best hey guys i appreciated the conversation on deconstruction the two biggest points i really connected with is this idea of corporate believing balanced with individual faith Mm. and the benefits of deconstruction i question um of what people are calling deconstruction is really what sanctification looks like oh that's interesting Sanctification is a big Bible word that talks about the process of being renewed into the image of Jesus. Mm. This is my insertion right there. He goes on to say, if we are being sanctified to be more like Jesus and less like the world, it seems that this process of choosing to look less like the church and more like Jesus is really healthy. Yeah, That's exactly what we would say. If we look at this from that view, sanctification, we can more readily lead people through and to this process that is all about the work of God and not us. 
Uh, thank you for tackling these this great topics. It sure helps us pastors as we top, see these topics throughout our congregations. So I love that. And, and that's how I think we want to frame it, is it's yeah. the idea that this is... Um, this is a necessary process of what repentance and being a disciple of Jesus looks like. And you see it all over, all yeah. over um, Jesus's ministry with the disciples. Hey, Jesus, isn't the temple awesome? Yeah, but... But, <laughs> <laughs> totally. I think, they, yeah, you've been using discipleship terms rather than deconstructing or reconstructing for a while now. And I think that this fits perfectly into that idea. Another gentleman... Uh, I just finished episode 323, read the article. I read the article as something aimed at pastors or other people who deal with people who are, quote, deconstructing. I don't think it was aimed at deconstructors. I think that's mm. uh, very true. Um, I think he left one huge thing out of the article. A lot of, quote, church kids have been going to Sunday school in the various programs as they grow up. They know all the right things to say, but it seems like their faith belongs to their parents. I don't know how to explain this better, but I hope you know what I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Hannah just commented on that. Oh, oh, yes. Um, after they get out of high school and go to college or whatever, they're lost because they don't have any faith of their own. A lot of them deconstruct or whatever you want to call it, but there's nothing to take down. They end up reconstructing something that may not look like the faith of their parents. I think the most important thing for them to do is to own their faith so that if it's theirs, and when they eventually move on, they take it with them. The earlier in life they make this change, the better off they are. On the other side of it, parents need to loosen the reins a little and not overreact when a kid expresses some doubts and is trying to figure out all this stuff for themselves. Yeah. yeah. That is so important. There was a study done, um, and man, I, I wish I would have pulled that article, but... Um, there were measuring uh, the differences between people who were... The whole study was about people who were raised in the church. And what were the differences between those who stuck around and those who didn't? And the one um, difference that was identified in the study and an accompanying article was that the ones who stuck around were given great permission to express doubt, uncertainty, questions... And uh, the ones that were not given that same permission were the ones that ultimately left. Totally. And so I think this emailer is absolutely on to something. Now, having students own their faith can just be another substitute for, you know, uh, a, a construct that's not their own. Um, because own your faith can look like, I mean, the thing I'm amazed at about Hannah is that she is so passionate about all of this. Yeah. So like I like I said to her, so many people are apathetic and she's not. She yeah. is in it and she cares yeah. about it and she cares when she sees hypocrisy and she cares. That's and great. It is it's amazing. Why would you ever want to why would you ever ever want to dampen that? Yeah. You know what I mean? So totally. what's owning her faith look like? Well, it doesn't look like me making sure she's checking off certain doctrinal points, right? It's providing environments where she gets to just wrestle. Yeah. And of course, we talk about it. But my talking is always in the form of questions. It's not in the form of, or, you know, sometimes she'll say, well, what do you think? And then I'll say what I think. 
Yeah. But most of the times it's literally just prodding. Hey, have you considered this? The big thing we've been working on is loving people who disagree. And, yeah. you know, I mean, not just her, but me and all no, of us. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but I've learned. I'm, I'm very I'm, guilty. Well, I've just learned so much about parenting through parenting teenagers, you know, and how will. And it just seems like there are so many parallels between how God parents us. Totally. And how we're invited to parent others. Well, I still love, like, that whole thing just makes me think of the Sermon on the Mount and getting to the end and just being like, well, look, how would you sum this up? This is how I would sum this up. Yeah. After he just went through all this technical, like, you know, yep. instruction. And then she's like, well, you know what? Just love your neighbor. Yep. And then it gets you into the, <clears throat> the rest is all commentary. Right. department so right. i see that right. in hannah like where it's like she's she's wrestling with uh how to love everybody that's being marginalized or not i mean she naturally is loving those that are marginalized and then is working really hard at like loving those that she disagrees with or whatever and so it's like that i see that embodied right like that teaching embodied right there oh my goodness yeah Rid ridiculous ridiculous and um which is so much further down the road than oh most of us. <laughs> I love it, it though. I was such the like asking questions that pissed off when mm -hmm. I was in high school and that age. Just like, well, that what? What about this? And being like, you know what, Tim? Shut up. Just be quiet. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like I want to know. That doesn't. Those two pieces don't connect. Well, this relates. So, so this is a very. Um, <laughs> this, this gentleman is so fun and so affirming, um, cause we released the latest episode on a Tuesday and he was, um, he said he went to bed, uh, moderately troubled last night at the lack of voices as my, uh, in my ears on a Monday. I quickly told myself that you were pulling a gombas and taking the week off for Thanksgiving, but lo and behold, there we were. <laughs> That's right. The Voxology <clears throat> podcast never sleeps my right. friend never sleeps um long time listener first time emailer i'm a pastor at a church and so here's another i mean we're shocked at the number of people who are in vocational or nonprofit sort of ministry positions um and uh, oh and i want to shout out i was at rock harbor this weekend yeah yeah so it was tim yeah yeah and um and uh, it was a church I was a teaching pastor in for years and years and years back in the day. And it was so pleasant to find out a lot of the uh, folks in leadership there listen to the podcast. So hello. It was delightful to be with you all. And, and we're thankful. We're so thankful for your encouragement. And what a yeah. great honor to have been there. And uh, Tim and I and a friend of ours named Kevin and and um and brenda and joanna and and then we joined a couple of rock harbor folks we, we had so much good food and drink over the weekend it was really disgusting <laughs> anyway so I, this is from a pastor uh, about the topic at hand i've long been wrestling with this label of deconstructionism i fully understand the concept and the process that surrounds it however i've been thinking more about renovation versus deconstruction in fact, one of the guys from Rock Harbor was talking about remodeling. Mm -hmm. I fully understand the concept and the process that surrounds it. However, I've been thinking more about renovation versus deconstruction. It seems to me that we, followers of Jesus who are part of his church, 
are not looking to implode the totality of the church, some of us, I think, are, but to evaluate and refine the errors and rotten components of the structure that has been built over the centuries. Tim hinted at a feeling I've had for some time right at the end of the episode when he said deconstruction is pulling apart the fabric. Dot, dot, dot. I wonder if the fear that some have with the term and the concept is directly related to the imagery of a wrecking ball, Q Miley here, <laughs> destroying a building they want to see. Another part of this fear that I tend to see is directly related to the epistemological frame of foundationalism. Individuals fear that if one of their foundational structure, um, if one of their foundation structure of our beliefs, no, 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 I, I'm sorry, I misread that. Individuals fear that if one of their foundation beliefs, a literal six day creation, for example, are knocked out, the whole belief system will topple over. Yeah. How do we help people work through the structure of our beliefs, not as a Jenga tower or pyramid of smarty candies, but as something far more complex? This is a really big issue. This is really a great, great question. When you talk with people who are fearful of deconstructionism, how many of them are operating from a foundationalist belief structure that does not permit the freedom of renovation? So good. I wholeheartedly support your idea that we're talking about symptoms of a much larger sickness that needs to be dealt with and healed within the church. I would love to hear your thoughts on how we can use language in a way that acknowledges the demolition that needs to happen while affirming in the same breath that we need to rebuild. How do we inspire and encourage the hard work after the demolition? How do we encourage and support those who fear the deconstruction will not result in, in a rebuilding, but uh, only leave us with a pile of rubble? I'm a big, I too am a big turkey fan and find great joy in roasting the perfect bird. I can't wait to hear how Mike turns out this year. Uh, I would love to hear what Seth has to say about Denny Mike's turkey. You just heard. <laughs> Ham! <clears throat> you skipped so, over the fact that he really liked the Midnight Mass episode. So many people watch that show because of the podcast now. I feel like we should get a cut. We should totally get a cut. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. I did skip over that because it wasn't totally related, Tim Stafford. <laughs> but let's talk about foundationalism. So this, yeah. when I went to, um, I went to okay. graduate school in philosophy. And um, foundationalism is a, in epistemology is the question of how do you know something is true? And so it's a really important question these days, particularly around conspiracy theories and false news. And I mean, this we're in an epistemological crisis. Yeah. And we're even in epistemological crisis in the church, right? Because just saying, well, the Bible says, um, everyone realizes now that the, you can make the Bible say all sorts of things. So what yeah. arbitrates different um, uh, truth claims over and against others? And... Um, there are different ways of understanding how truth claims relate to each other. One way that I learned was foundationalism. And you picture a, a, a structure, a substructure, upon which further truth claims are built um, using basic logic um, and intuition and, and common sense. And, um, you know, this is very famously part of Descartes' Um, I, you know, he, he was the, the father of sort of this way of thinking when he tried to reduce down, you know, knowledge into the one basic maxim. Uh, and I think, therefore, I am was what he came up with. And, um, and then everything built, you know, is built on top of that. And so Christianity gets, gets uh, viewed off in the very same way as per our pastor's 
analogy that it's that it's um, it's tied together that if you lose a foundational belief, the whole thing comes crumbling down. The problem is that so many foundational quote foundational beliefs turn out to not be foundational when put back into their original context. For instance, <laughs> the rapture, uh, the second coming of Jesus. Uh, the millennium, all of this like left behind nonsense that was just crashing into Christian subculture throughout the 70s, 80s. I mean, this stuff is so not at all primary. And as we've talked about when looking at the book of Revelation, so not at all what the book of Revelation is teaching that you realize, oh my goodness, that that was supposed to be foundational. Um, and you realize, nope, not even remotely is that foundational. And um, and we could you know multiply lots of different examples, but when Christianity is presented as an all or nothing belief package, we are setting people up for not just deconstruction but deconversion. Yeah, because if there's no room to wrestle with the text and no room to wrestle in community, then it's exactly it's exactly what we see happening. People will go do that, but they'll do it outside. Yeah. Um, the other way that truth can relate to each other, at least the way I was taught, and I think there are, that these were not the only two ways, but coherentism. Coherentism, if you don't, you don't picture a building, but picture a web. And there at the center of the web are kind of the central <coughs> believings. And then as the web spins out, there are peripheral believings. But the closer you are to the center, the more important the particular believings are. And, you know, we were taught that that was that was kind of the postmodern epistemological turn, and that the and that the web didn't have to as long as the web cohered and was internally consistent, it didn't have to match up with external reality. Um, so all that is to say, there's something very right not only about how we understand what truth is, but how truth relates to other truth. And so I think there are foundational beliefs to Christianity. Absolutely. Uh, I think that list is super small. And I think that list leaves such a big room at so much room at a big table. Yeah. For people from all over the place. Um, but I would never construe those beliefs as a foundation of a superstructure. I would construe those beliefs more like central to a covenant or central to a relationship. Why, right? Yeah, will you tease that out? Well, to be married to my wife, there are certain beliefs I have, but those beliefs are secondary to the relationship, but they support it and they nourish it. I believe that my wife loves me. I believe that my wife is faithful. I believe that my wife has integrity. I believe what she says, right? I mean, those are just simply like, yeah. I believe that she's good. I believe that her aims towards me and the family are for our flourishing. Um, I believe when she says she's doing something that she's actually doing that something. Right. So those beliefs um, are necessary for the relationship to flourish. Yeah. Um, but they're not the center of the relationship, not even remotely. Right. And if one of those beliefs turned out to be false, I would be devastated, right? Way more than just learning, ooh, I believe something that wasn't untrue. There's a much deeper pain there yeah. uh, that is that is relational, right? I believed, it's not just I believed a lie, but I was living a lie. Mm -hmm. And that's the point, the, the scripture paints a reality that we're invited into. 
And um, there are beliefs that are central to that reality, no question about it. But the believings are not the reality. Yeah. Right? Living into the reality is the reality. And, um, you know, the idea that God is good, that God has our flourishing in mind, that God is committed to us, that God keeps God's word, um, mm-hmm. that, that the, the, the worldview of Jesus is um, a trustworthy way of seeing the world. You know, like those sorts of believings are really important. Yeah, it's like you're given a you're given a like a a bag of tools or pieces of something as you are going into the room of. That's right. That's right. World. I think this. I think it's a really important distinction because I think most people have been given, and not just in the church in life, have been given. This is how you do this. This is how you. This is what you build off of. But what we find is that this is that there are circumstances that come up that you're unprepared for, or it is, right. it's an organic thing that you're re- you are interacting with and relating with. And when a foundational piece is square and the problem you come up, up come up against is triangle, right? You're like, Oh crap. Yep. This, this doesn't fit. This doesn't work. I'm out or I don't get it. Or I'm that's having right. a crisis. And that's right. So that distinction I think is so important. Even like when he talked about, um, everyone loves a demo day. In a renovation project, yeah. I don't think everyone does love a demo day, though. I think some for some people, a demo day scares the crap out of them because they're they are breaking apart the insides of their home. So mm-hmm. everybody, that that's just my experience has been that everybody is approaching. That's why I was I thought Josh's article was so dangerous, is because no one, I I've yet to meet two people who are approaching, air quotes deconstruction from the same place. Yeah, And so it, it's an individual, there's just, you have to, or even the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like what we just said with with Hannah, it's like Jesus gave you all of these ideas and tools and these specific things. And then was like, but the, the organic nature of it is that you need to love your neighbor. This is, all these things will help you do exactly that and do it right. Right. But the relationship is between you and this person and this person and this person. Right. And it's just so much more organic and big than just follow these rules and you'll, you'll oh, get an totally. A plus on your Christianity exam. Totally. And that and that's where Hannah and I really push back on our Bible teacher, where and and I remember receiving these messages myself as 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 a youth, you know, five years ago or so. Um, you know, don't drink, don't have sex, make sure you choose your friends wisely. I mean, it was just a moral code, and and and, I, and there's wisdom in the code, sure. Um, but but that that's framed as what following Jesus is and consists of. I mean, well, it's like just, when we talk about the history, so I've used that example a couple times on here, like the how history teachers, many history teachers, are wrestling with now that kids have the phones in their pockets and they have a computer with them at all times. Yes, it's less about memorizing the dates of things. But interacting with why did this war happen? Like, what were the causes? What were these human beings arguing about or wrestling with that brought them to the point where they brought two countries to war? And then the then the kids are learning, like, you know, something so much more important about a tragedy of humanity rather mm-hmm. than just like this happened in 1932. Right. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I gotta. I gotta keep moving, man. We got. We got I'm more. I'm sorry, Mike. No, that, that was good, Timothy. <coughs> or should I call you Grimace? 
<laughs> That's probably more accurate <laughs> in so many ways. I'm in the process. This is a different email. I'm in the process of deconstruction and quotes as much as I dislike the term. You guys seem to hit the nail on the head most of the time in describing how I feel, where I'm at, how I got there. I'm in a church life situation where questioning isn't generally welcome. And so a lot of shame has come along with this process for me. And we're so, so sorry to hear that. I've become more confident over time and have been able to be more honest about my position and my circle of friends. And what do you know? A lot of them are in a similar process. If only we were more willing to share with one another and to be our true slash truer selves, we'd make a lot of progress. Obviously, there's a time and a place for everything and our level of vulnerability should match the appropriateness of the situation. Well mm. said. No, no question. Um, I wanted to recommend two books. So uh, the first, and they're both by Brian Zond, um, uh, Z-A-H-N-D. One is called Postcards from Babylon, um, which was very helpful in how it more succinctly encapsulated how I was feeling about any gestures at everything. <laughs> he and I did not agree in every detail, but his presentation of America as Babylon mm. uh, instead of as Israel Oh. Uh, help make everything click for me as far as my outlook and cultural well. position. Yeah, yeah, right. The second uh, book recommendation is Zahn's most recent release. I just bought it. I have not read it yet. Titled, When Everything's on Fire, Faith Forged from the Ashes. This is essentially Zahn's letter to those who are deconstructing. I found it incredibly encouraging as I navigate the process. I read it in about a week and quickly loaned it to a friend. Uh, I wanted to get because I knew it could help them also. Thanks again for the amazing episode. Um, if you could swing an interview with him, it would make for an amazing episode. And yes, we will definitely try to do that. Um, <laughs> thanks again for your willingness to share on your podcast. It's an incredible resource to me in my current situation. I consider it a core part of my discipleship process. How cool is that? Happy Thanksgiving. Good luck with a turkey massage. <laughs> yep. Zond, Zond always has very interesting uh, things to say. Absolutely. Um, um, all right, different email. Hello, friends, long-time listener, first-time emailer. Um, I was thinking about the deconstruction episode, and I guess I'm just wondering why deconstruction of our faith is any different than deconstruction in other areas of our lives. Is there even an area of our lives where we don't have a process of deconstruction? Isn't this just growing as a human? It seems to me as that we grow older, we think we view the world differently, and our life experiences cause us to refresh our views. Getting married changed my views on marriage. Having mm. a child changed my views on raising a child. Steph Curry changed my views on a basketball offense. Yes. Bourbon changed my views on drinking Preach. preferences. Hello. And the list goes on and on. Dear emailer, we should hang out. And thanks be to God for it all. I understand that faith is more weight than other areas of life, but I don't see how is it, it isn't the natural flow of life. I have my guesses as to why the church hasn't embraced this process and these people, but that's for another day. I think that's a great way to say it, yeah, right? Absolutely. Like there is part of a deconstruction that's just called maturing. Yeah. How many of us believe? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's the the Santa Claus thing. It's the it's the Easter Bunny and the Tooth whoa, Fairy. Whoa, like, whoa! There may be listeners that I what I'm just saying the thing. I didn't say anything about the thing. I just said it's the thing. That's right. And and all of a sudden you you grow and realize oh. Oh, or like you said, you know, for, for a long time, the, the, the triangle-shaped hole fit your faith. But now, right. as you've turned around, and I mean physically and 
metaphorically. It's true. Right? You just don't fit anymore. So anyway, no, I love that. A um, couple more. I mean, our community is just so ridiculously awesome. These are such great little nuance points. Um, great podcast about a horrible article. You were far kinder <laughs> to the author than I would have been. We just left our evangelical spaces recently from a non-denominational megachurch, Christian school for the kids, job at the same school for me, to a mainline church, public school for the kids, and a job in public ed for me. I've called the move deconstruction, but it really is more like a purification of our faith. That's a great picture. We love Jesus and are hungry to follow him faithfully, to have the pain and upheaval we've gone through, to become truer followers of Christ, treated so condescendingly is frustrating. Wow. I love that. We didn't leave because our feelings were hurt or we have bad teaching or we want to sin more, please. Or to be one of the cool kids. We left because the scales fell off our eyes and we couldn't abide the rot of Christian nationalism and racism that was rampant to where we were. Well said, young lady. Boom. Another comment. The article just totally missed the point of the current zeitgeist. Great use of that word. I don't know what exactly he was trying to do with it. I guess make the self-righteous feel more self-righteous and hurt and the hurt more hurt and leaving the, uh, the way more ready to go. The, so let me say that better. I guess it was to make the self-righteous feel more self-righteous and the hurt feel more hurt and the already out the door way more ready to go. Um, another comment, uh, maybe it's just me, but one thing that got me frustrated is on the point discussing bad teaching versus good teaching. My problem is that when you are attempting to deconstruct and consequently reconstruct you come to realize good teaching has never been unanimously agreed upon by any Christians. I mean, even Mike and Tim immediately say that neither of them, quote, have it all figured out. But when you think about it, what person has authority to qualify what better teaching actually is outside of Jesus himself? On top of that, it gets super unclear when you start interpreting or listening to your favorite teacher who has, quote, good teaching according to your standard, interpreting Jesus' teaching to a gathering of Christ followers about what Jesus even means in the portions of scripture that seem entirely clear at face value. Example, love your enemies, turn the other cheek of your brother sins against you. Our opinion of what qualifies good or bad teaching seems to change depending on what our culture seems to value most at every given moment. <laughs> or whatever lenses you brought in on that morning. It's like, it's, uh, there's so many qualifiers to that. It's yes, yes. So we, we wanted to take time, and there, there are more. There are a couple I'm waiting to see if I have permission to read um because they're super super personal um but they get at things that were missed in the in the article we wanted to read these uh because our community is super thoughtful and we thought kind of each of these points brought up different things and and it's just great to hear someone else other than tim who talks way too much that's right um why is it that the universal feedback is more tim and more seth and more ham Evidently, that's the that's it's going to haunt me, <laughs> Seth Thomas. So, what we've got in the next couple of weeks, we've got an interview next episode um, with uh, more on biblical manhood and womanhood, which is a topic we want to keep diving back to. Then we're going to do we'll end this deconstruction conversation with reading some more um, emails and then kind of framing it how we see it, and yeah. not that it's you know. I just hope it clarifies maybe some things and picks up some things that were dropped and or not covered in the article. 
And, uh, and then we're thinking about uh, doing a series at the beginning of the year on Genesis 1, 2, and 3, um, which we see are just massively foundational, not in the foundationalist way, but um, in the like, wow, the beginning, man, that thing gets going super quick. About, about about strands that are left dangling that are picked up through the rest of the Bible. Um, and it's a really misunderstood section of the Bible that has big implications for how we understand sin and new creation. And so we're gonna we're gonna um, set some strands in motion and kind of pull those through and I hope it'll be good. but that's kind of where we're headed. And as always, we're very grateful. Amy came on our patreon team this uh, this week and so we want to say thank you to Amy. Um, I, I mean, I know I say it every week, but we're really grateful um, yeah. for the relational component and dynamic of this. That's the thing we're most grateful for. And we're grateful that people financially support it. Um, um, you know, we're, we're just blessed to do this. And we're always thankful that um, there's a platform of people who find this helpful. And the fact that so many of you are in and around church space still sharing a lot of the frustrations, but still working because Tim and I are too. Um, we're still in the church space, you know. We can't get get over it. Tim, tell us a little bit about what you're what you're doing because it's uh, to me it's super interesting, kind of what you're um, working on in um, in your local community. It's not church per se, but it is church. Um, well, I think it's just a continuation. It's just a long, it's a very long form conversation. So prior to the pandemic, we had, did the first micro community here and it was not in place of church. And I tried to be really, um, straightforward with that, that we were not trying to pull people from church or to challenge church or to anything. We would not do it on Sunday mornings. Uh, we were just trying to create another space for people to come together that, to do exactly what Hannah was saying, actually, like create a space where we could all wrestle openly and talk about really difficult things and challenge uh, those foundational elements that have been troublesome. Pandemic kind of derailed that, but there's a small group of us that are still pushing through that. Mm. And I'm very, very thankful for it because it's a, you know, I've hinted at it on other podcast episodes. There's very different, um, in my own small little town, there are very different brains and hearts that have come together and I'm learning so much from hmm. how each of those brains and hearts process information uh, rather than one person kind of telling us what the news or how to process something I've I've just in this season I've learned so much from just listening to multiple people process and yeah. yep. question and offer information so there's something pretty powerful to the idea of two or more gathered and throwing stuff on the table and sorting through it together. So I'm just trying to, you know, we're in a season where part of this deconstruction conversation is trying to figure out what is church? Yeah. Why do we do it? Why do we meet? Why do we do it the way we do it? Um, should we be doing it differently? Is there a better way to do it? I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend that I do. And I also will not say that I think that the churches in town are doing anything wrong i think there's wonderful gatherings of people in our town and i'm not challenging that or anything like that but i just want to understand yeah i'm trying to posture myself in a position of being a lifelong learner and i want to do i want to be better 
I yeah. want to grow and be better. So yep. it's fun to have people around me that want the same types of things. And we don't agree on half of the stuff we talk about. Maybe sometimes, I don't know, but <clears throat> I love that process. I learned so much from conversation, mm. which is why I love the podcast. I love doing this because I learn a ton and yeah, people writing too. in questions and interacting with those. I learn a ton. So I've never called myself a teacher. I would just say that I'm a, cons- a consistent student. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really, it's really a cool thing because part of what we hear and have experienced ourselves is the, that this is uh, can be a very lonely process. Yes. You know, and, and it there should is... not be. No, no. The church should be the place where all of this happens. And I'm not saying that our churches don't do that here, but I we have definitely, partly because of the pandemic, I think, you're forced to build pods, which is what mm-hmm. we had to do for education purposes. But through that, we also got a wonderful group of people that <clears throat> are pursuing Jesus authentically and really want to know more and want to grow more and so hopefully you know we can get these micro communities going again because i think that there it's just a wonderful thing to meet with different people and like sort through life together oh so true buddy yep well said man thank you so by the time you hear this y'all you will have had thanksgiving i hope the awkward conversations were at a minimum Um, yep. And, uh, you know, that, uh, Black Friday was protested in your heart and, um, <laughs> don't talk about politics or religion unless you're people like Hannah and I, and then definitely talk about politics and religion. Oh yes. Oh yes. There will be, there will be talk. <laughs> oh yes. No, no question about it. And we love it. So anyway, friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, may he give you, and may he give us peace. Please. And so thank you for the great honor of being a part of your life. We hope, um, we hope you're well. Till next time, friends. Are you good? How are you for Fox? I the podcast. Bye. See you Bye. 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash voxology. You can also Join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials. Facebook.com backslash Voxology Podcast and on Instagram at Voxology. Thank you, thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.